uh, we start off the new year, I want to talk a little bit today about maybe what God has called us to do. A few years ago, I had the privilege of going on a missions trip with the church. We went to Cape Town, South Africa, and we had met many times together with several people on the team, and we had prepared ourselves to go on this trip. And as we got ourselves together, we got on the flight. We went to Cape Town. It took us a long time to get there. And when we got there, they took us to all these uh, impoverished little villages and shanty towns. And we visited so many people. And we were there to try to encourage them and, and try to encourage them in the Lord. And also this trip through time took us to a lot of different churches. We got to visit one church after another. And we wound up in this one church, and the pastor was so glad that we were there. He was hoping that we would be able to encourage his congregation. And uh, he called all, he said, I want all the Americans to come up front. So we all came up, and he had us all line up across the stage. And he handed a microphone, and he said, okay, here's what I want to do. He says, I, I want my congregation to know why you're here. Why have you come? What's your mission? So let's start off. So the first, first person, tell me why you've come. So the first person gets on the microphone and they said something like, well, we want to spread the love of Jesus. And the pastor very kindly interrupts and says, no, 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 no. Why are you here? Not why did you come as a group. Why are you here? He made it personal. He said, what's your mission? Why did you get on a plane and come from America to Cape Town, South Africa. Why did you come? And as everybody in the line started thinking about it, we realized he's, he wants the personal answer. He wants to know what mission we're on. As I thought about that and what we're going to talk about today, the two really fit hand in hand because we need to know what our mission is. It's really timely for us to think about this as we start a brand new year and we start 2017. You see, good leaders know their mission. They know what they're called to do. The mission tells us why we're here. It tells us why we exist. It tells us why we get up each day and do what we do. It gives us the inspiration for all of that. Good leaders know what their mission is. The vision gives you the picture of what you'd like the future to look like, but the mission tells you why you're doing what you do. Goals are the bite-sized pieces that help you accomplish the mission, but the mission's really important because it gives us everything that we need to drive towards. If I were to ask you today, if we could pass the mic around, and I said, tell me what was the mission of Jesus? What was his mission when he was here on earth? We'd probably get a lot of answers. Some of you would say, well, he, he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to atone for the sins of the world. He came to heal the sick. He came to reach the poor. He came to rebuke the Pharisees. And all of your answers would be correct. They would all be things that Jesus absolutely was trying to do. However, Jesus makes his mission really clear when you read through the Gospels. In fact, he says it over a hundred times in the Gospels. Again, good leaders know what they're called to do. They know their mission. Jesus came to declare the kingdom. He, became, he came to declare God's kingdom. There's over a hundred references in the New Testament that talk about God coming to, or Jesus coming to declare the kingdom. Let me just read a couple for you. Matthew 4, it says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We're just in Matthew still. Jesus told them a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for theirs is the kingdom. Over and over, over a hundred times in the New Testament. I encourage you to check it out and, and look at it for yourself. I won't read all hundred of these to you right now. But Jesus declared over a hundred times, he came to declare the kingdom of God. He made his mission very clear. When we read about the kingdom and we look in the Old Testament, we read in Daniel 2 that the kingdom was a literal kingdom. Revelation 11 says the kingdom of God is coming and will be established forever. And in John 3, we read about the kingdom being alive today in the hearts and minds of believers. Jesus was all about the kingdom. He came to declare the kingdom. And since the word Christian means follower of Christ, if Jesus was about the kingdom, then we should be about the kingdom too. It's important for us to know our mission because it defines what we'll do and where we'll go and what we'll try to accomplish. What are we going to try to accomplish in 2017? The idea in your outline says this. It says, knowing your mission will help you set the right goals for 2017. When you don't know your mission, it's impossible to set your goals. You just sort of exist. You just sort of do stuff without purpose, without reason. You don't really have any goals in mind. You don't really have a mission. So you just get up each day and just do whatever, whatever happens in that day. But when you have a mission, your goals become more clear. We're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture, just really four short verses that will help us form a picture for our mission in 2017. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 8. And this real short story that will be very familiar to you, it's uh, found in Luke 8, 22 through 25. It's just four verses. And it's a story of something that happened to Jesus and his disciples. And we can use this as a good picture for us as we try to formulate what our mission is going to be in 2017. To just give you a little groundwork before this, in the chapters preceding uh, chapter 8, Jesus has done many things. When you, when you read through that, you can take time to read through it later. Um, he had just healed a centurion's servant by merely speaking a word. He stopped a funeral of, of a widow's son. The widow had one son and he died. Jesus stops the funeral and he takes the boy by the hand and raises him from the dead. All of these things happened while the disciples were there. They had just seen all of these miracles happen. And this is where we pick up the story. The disciples are still with Jesus. He's been teaching for a while, and he gives them these instructions. Follow along as I read. It says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Point number one in your outline reads, Your mission is defined by the Lord. 
Let's look at eight, Luke 8.22, just the very beginning verse. It says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. So they set out. Jesus gives them pretty clear instructions. In fact, they're pretty easy instructions. These guys being fishermen and being watermen and, and being around the Sea of Galilee for some time, this was not an unusual request. Jesus said, let's get into the boat. We're going to go to the other side. Now notice Jesus doesn't give them a whole lot of details about it. He just tells them what the mission is. Here's what we need to do. We need to get in the boat. We need to go to the other side. It's not beyond their abilities. It's not something that they wouldn't be used to. It was all within what they would normally do. He didn't ask them to build an airplane or a rocket ship or something that didn't exist in that day. It wasn't beyond their capabilities. He simply said, guys, we're going to get in the boat and we're going to go to the other side. A very, very simple mission. All the disciples had to really do is follow what Jesus had put out for them. We, when our mission is defined by the Lord, we don't always get the details that we want, but we can trust him for what happens. Years ago, I was working at a conference down in Florida, and a friend of mine and, and myself, we were working this conference and producing their general sessions, and uh, after the conference was over, they asked us, the, the people who were running the conference, they said, would you stay because we have right on the heels of your conference a Spanish conference coming in. It's a very small one. Would you guys run that conference? We'll give you a little extra, and you get to spend an extra day in Florida in February. Not a bad deal. So, of course, we accepted. One problem. Neither one of us speaks Spanish. So we told them, you know, we don't really speak Spanish. And they said, well, everyone in the conference doesn't speak English. It is just a Spanish conference. But we'll get you an interpreter. So we had an interpreter. We sat down. We decided, here's what we're going to do for the conference. Here's how this is going to work. We have a guy doing worship music, somebody speaking. And we had the keynote speaker coming up. And we met with this gentleman. He did not speak a lick of English. We're working through the interpreter. He hands us this uh, flash drive with his PowerPoint. He had 40 slides to go along with his message. So we talked to the guy and we said, listen, um, you're going to need to give us a signal because, because we don't speak Spanish, we don't know when to change the slide. So if you could just, you know, point or do something that would let us know, change the slide behind you. So through the interpreter, he agreed. He said, sure, no problem. We'll make sure that that happens. So as the conference goes, everything went, went really great. We got up to the keynote speaker. The gentleman gets up. We threw his title slide up. I don't even know what it was because it was all in Spanish. And he starts speaking. And five minutes goes by, and 10 minutes goes by, and I haven't changed the slide yet. And 15, and 20, and no slide change. Finally, this guy finishes a full half hour, 40 minutes, and we haven't ever left the title slide for his, his presentation. He gets done, and, and we can see him walking from the back of the room, and I said to my buddy, I said, oh boy, we're going to get it now. So he comes up, and he says through the interpreter, tell those guys that was a genius move, because I didn't follow that at all. I didn't follow my message at all, and staying on the title slide was the right thing to do. <laughs> my point in telling you that is the results are not ours. The Lord knows what he's doing. When he lays out the mission for us and God gives us the mission, all we need to do is be faithful to what he's called us to do, to follow the plan that he's put out for us. Our mission is defined by the Lord. We can trust him for the results. Jesus gave us our mission in his great commission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am always with you to the end of the age. See, Jesus gives us our mission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And I hope you realize there's a big difference between a believer and a disciple. See, a believer accepts that certain things are true. A believer accepts that there's a God, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and he raised him from the dead. A believer believes those things. But a disciple is someone who takes those beliefs and puts them into action. A disciple is someone who surrenders to a master and says, I'll go where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll be what you want me to be. And when Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, he's calling us not only to be a believer, but to be a disciple and to make other people disciples too. First, by making them or, or introducing them to the Lord so that they become believers and then helping them become a disciple. He gives us the mission that we're on in the Great Commission. Remember, good leaders know what their mission is. They know what they're called to do. The role of our mission is to help people become believers and then disciples. You know, accomplishing any mission can be really difficult. And even the mission that Jesus gave to us to go and make disciples of all nations can be a difficult one to accomplish. And as you and I both know, the life that we live can be a difficult life. I don't know how 2016 was for you, but maybe there's somebody here who's really glad that that year is over. And you're glad to start out a new year because it's been a real struggle. Point two in your outline says your struggle is real. You know, Jesus gives us the mission. It's defined, your mission is defined by the Lord. Go and make disciples. But your struggle to do that is real. The struggle in the life that you and I live is a real struggle. Going back to our story in Luke chapter 8, Luke 8.23, they're out, they're getting ready, they're set out to go across the lake, and picking up in verse 23, it says, And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in danger. You read the descriptors in this passage, you see the boat was filling with water. A windstorm suddenly came up on them, and they were in danger. When you look at that, you see that the disciples are now in a struggle. They're in a struggle for their lives. They're in a struggle to complete the mission that Jesus gave to them. Remember, when Jesus gave them the mission, he didn't give them all the details of everything that was going to happen on this trip. He just said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't tell them what would happen between getting in the boat and arriving on the shore. He just said, do what I'm telling you to do. And now the disciples find themselves in a place where they're struggling. They're even struggling for their very lives. Maybe you felt like that in life. Like your struggle, you're just struggling for your very life or you're just struggling to get through life because it's a real challenge for you. And things pop up on you, they're unexpected. You don't know what happened or how you got there and all of a sudden you have to deal with all this stuff. Many weeks ago, a good friend dropped by my office to talk to me and we caught up 
It was great. It was great seeing an old friend. It was great hearing about what was going on. And as we were talking back and forth, we were having a great conversation. I didn't expect him to pop in, but we talked for a while, and, and he left. It was probably around 3.30, and I thought, man, I'm so glad to see my friend today. That was, that was such a great, great day to be there and a great day to hear from him and had a great time. So I sit down at my desk, and I flip open my computer to get a little more work done, and a little pop-up notification comes up on my screen that says, pick up Cassidy at 2.30 at school. It's now 3.30. Um, I definitely have missed that deadline. So father of the year starts to call the school. I can't get an answer. I get in the car. I start driving towards the school. I'm obeying all traffic laws, of course. Now that I've left my daughter there for an hour, Cassidy is, she's my 12-year-old. So I get to school, and I find Cassidy. They've put her in an aftercare program. So now I have to go down there and get her out of aftercare, and, and we're in there, and I'm saying, you know, hey, I'm sorry, you know, daddy got tied up in a meeting, and it's okay, you know, she's a very forgiving kid. So we get in the car, and we're driving home, trying to downplay the whole thing. I said, Cassidy, tell me about your day. I want to hear it. So she's telling me about her class, and she had gym class, and this class, and, you know, this and that. And she says, um, we had a quiz in math. I said, oh, how'd that go? She goes, well, I didn't do too well, Dad. I said, why not? She said, well, um, I forgot that I didn't, I forgot we had the quiz. I didn't study for it. So I said, Cass, listen, when things are important, you can't forget them. You have to remember this stuff. So Cassidy says, oh, yeah? You're going to lecture me about forgetting? You forgot me, Dad. <laughs> yep. My hypocrisy gets pointed out by a 12-year-old, and I deserved it. But that's, you know, it's a silly story, but life can be a struggle. Things pop up on you. You, you just... They come out of the blue, and next thing you're left to deal with them. Things happen in life, and it can be a struggle sometimes just to get through a, a day. You know, my story's kind of a silly little story, and it all turned out well, but maybe yours isn't that simplistic. Maybe your story is a real struggle, something you've really been battling with. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, as we have this mission that Jesus has given us to go and make disciples, we are still being made disciples ourselves. There's still rough edges that need to be knocked off of me. There's still rough edges that need to be knocked off of you. And when I read this verse in James where it says, Consider it joy. You're going to face trials. But the testing that you go through in those trials are going to help you become a more mature believer. They're going to help you become more mature and complete. None of us are perfect, and those trials are going to keep hitting us time and time again. And when God, uh, when God sees that we've learned that lesson, he's probably going to give us another one. But all of that is for our own good. It's so that as a disciple, we become more mature and complete. In Psalm 34, 17 through 18, it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The verse is a good encouragement for me because as I read through this, it says the Lord delivers people from their troubles, and he's close to people that are brokenhearted, and he's close to people who are crushed in their spirit. Maybe life's been a real struggle for you. The Lord's close to you in spirit. The Lord knows of your brokenheartedness. And even in all of this, it doesn't change your mission. 
the great commission that Jesus gave is still for all of us to go and make disciples. And you may be struggling with that, but we're still called to do that mission. I was just recently watching the Band of Brothers uh, video series that takes, follows Easy Company through the World War II uh, battle. And I have great respect for the World War II generation and all they sacrificed for our country. And so I'm watching this series. It comes up to a point where it's the Battle of the Bulge and they're trying to beat this town, the town of Foy. They're trying to take the whole town. And uh, Easy Company comes in and, and they have to go in and take this town. And as they do, there's a, a lieutenant who's in charge of the attack and he, his name's Lieutenant Dyke. And he takes these guys in, he starts into the battle, and things go bad really quick. And they start to struggle, and they can't move, and people are getting hurt. People are getting shot. His, his group is falling down. They're, they're taking cover, and they're under extreme pressure. And what does Lieutenant Dyke do? He freezes up. He gets polarized. He doesn't know what to do. Guys are yelling at him. They're like, we have to move. We have to do something. What are your orders? And he doesn't know what to do. And he just sits there frozen. And then the camera pans to the XO, the executive officer, this Captain Winters. And Captain Winters is back in the tree line and he's watching all of this unfold. And as he's watching it unfold, he's pacing back and forth. And he's yelling, he's like, come on, move. And he sees what's going on, he sees the battle, he sees the struggle, he's like, come on, get up, move. And he's pacing back and forth to the point of almost wanting to go in himself until he sends another lieutenant, Lieutenant Spears. He says, go in there and relieve that guy. And Lieutenant Spears runs in, he gets Dyke out of the way, he starts giving out the commands, and they go and they take the town, and they win the battle. And when I watched that whole series unfold, and I, I watched that whole, that whole scene, I started to think, I wonder if God's ever like that with us. You know, Jesus gives us this mission, it's defined by God to go and make disciples. And sometimes, the struggle that we go through causes us to freeze up. And I wonder if God sometimes is pacing back and forth going, come on, get up, get back in the game. What are you doing? I know life is hard, but I got you. You can get up and get back out there. Remember your mission. Go and make disciples. What are you doing? And like Lieutenant Dyke, we're just frozen in place because life has just hit us so hard. We don't know what to do next. The struggle is real. Who do you identify more with? Do you identify more with the guy who's frozen or the guy who's actively doing something? As you contemplate all that, this can be a good time to make some changes as we end a new year and start another. Because life can be such a struggle and because it can be so difficult to keep moving even when we're under pressure, we need to remember that our strength is in the Lord. Point three in your outline reads, your strength is, is in the Lord. Luke 8, 24 through 25 says this. The disciples are in, the, are in terror. It says they're in danger. Their boat's filling with water. And all of a sudden they remember, hey, we got Jesus with us. Jesus is in the boat. And starting in 24, it says, and they went and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. It's interesting that they knew who to call for for strength. When the struggle became real and it was right in their face and they were afraid of, of their very lives being taken from them, they remembered, hey, 
Jesus is with us. Everything's going to be all right if we wake him up. The Sea of Galilee, if you've ever seen a picture of it, it's, it's like a funnel. There's mountains up on either side. And when a storm comes down, it almost comes down like a funnel. And it really can make the waves pretty high on this lake. And you could see if they had a small wooden boat, how this would be a very terrifying situation for them. But no storm ever flattens out the way that Jesus made it flatten out. Only the Son of God could do that. And as the disciples knew that, they put their trust back in the Lord in the right place. They put their trust back with their creator. And when they trusted him, things went the way they were supposed to go. I was reading a little bit about this trust issue. I was reading this book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And he writes this for companies, uh, companies that are maybe experiencing some inner turmoil. And he writes the five things that really mess up a team. And the number one thing that messes up the team, it's the first point in his book, is the absence of trust. And this is what he says. He says, trust lies at the heart of a functioning, cohesive team. Without it, teamwork is all but impossible. In the context of building a team, trust is the confidence among team members that their peers' intentions are good, that there's no reason to be protective or careful around the group. In essence, teammates must get comfortable being vulnerable with one another. It requires team members to make themselves vulnerable to one another and to be confident that their respective vulnerabilities will not be used against them. The vulnerabilities I'm referring to include their weaknesses, their skill deficiencies, their interpersonal shortcomings, their mistakes, and their request for help. The costs of failing to do this are great. Teams that lack trust waste inordinate amount of time and energy managing their behaviors and interactions within the group. And as a result, morale on distrusting teams is usually quite low, as are their accomplishments. In short, he's saying you can't complete the mission when you don't trust. We know we need to trust the Lord, and, and when I think about the time frame that our church is in right now, I'm reminded of years ago when I was a kid and we would play street hockey. Every once in a while, the, the ball would go into the corner and you'd see two guys running in there with the sticks trying to fight for the ball. And then someone would realize, hey, those guys are on the same team. And they'd yell, hey, same team, same team. And one of the guys would back off, the other guy would get the ball and bring it out. And when I worked in camping ministry, I can remember seeing this over and over with different teams that I worked with. Sometimes there would be some infighting. There would be some... some Groups that would argue against other groups or would pick out the flaws of the other groups and then they would take offense to that and they would do it back and it would go back and forth and back and forth until someone said, hey, time out. Same team, guys. You're on the same team. You're trying to complete the same goal. We need to trust each other. And when I think about our church and our church family and our congregation and what we try to do here, we have a great church. We have a lot of ministries here. We have a lot of people who are invested heavily in women's and men's and kids' ministry and youth ministry and many churches, and the list can go on and on and on, and, and maybe your investment's in one of those areas. And sometimes even for us as a church family, we can forget the bigger picture, the bigger mission that Christ has called us to. And we get into petty arguments about things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Wouldn't it be great if in 2017 our church family all looked out for each other, encouraged each other, and helped each other complete their mission, helped each other complete the things that God's called them to. Because ultimately, 
We're on the same team. We're trying to do the same thing. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Psalm 28, 7 through 8, reemphasizing the fact that the Lord is our strength. It says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. I love how many times in that passage it says, the Lord is my strength. That's where I get my strength from. I'm going to trust in the Lord because I can't go wrong doing any of those things. As you sit here right now and we start a new year, where's your strength? Where does your strength come from? Is your strength in the Lord? Or has your strength been in some, some other thing or some ability that you possess or something else that you've been working towards? We need to remember our mission is to find the struggle that we have in life is real. But your strength can be found in the Lord. Conclusion, no matter how small or how great your part may be, God has called us on a mission to go and make disciples. How's God, how is God calling you to go and make disciples? How's he going to use you in 2017? Who's he going to bring across your path that you might be able to very simply just encourage a little bit or point him back to God or point him in that direction? I was reading about this uh, luxury watchmaker, uh, Switzerland watchmaker, called, uh, it's pronounced Iblo. And um, their slogan is, be first, be different, and be unique. Now, if you have one of these watches, um, you are blessed because, like, the cheapest one's about $5,000. In fact, if you have one, I'll trade you for my Mickey Mouse watch that I got in Disney. These are really nice, nice watches. But I love their slogan because they're trying to create something very unique and very different. I was reading a quote from their CEO, this Ricardo Guadalupe. And this is what he says. He says, every time we start a new project, we ask ourselves two questions. What can we do better? And what can we do different? And every time they create a new watch, whatever they're going to put in there, however they're going to make it, they start with those two questions. What can we do better? What can we do different? As we end the year and we start a new year, maybe those are two questions we need to ask ourselves about the mission that God's called us on. What can we do better and what can we do different? Clearly, God has called us to go and make disciples and help other people in their walk with him and help other people in their discipleship walk. It's been defined by the Lord. The struggle is real. Uh, I, you should, I'm sure every person in this room knows the struggle of living life in a broken world is real. And it's going to face you day in and day out. But we can trust in the Lord, and we can get our strength from him. So what can we do different, and what can we do better in 2017 to go and accomplish the mission that Christ has put out for us? Let me pray for you. Lord, we know that the journey ahead this year is unknown to us. We don't know the results, but we know that we can trust you. We know that we need to be on the mission of making disciples. God, there may be some in this room that have been just like that guy we talked about who's, who's frozen. 
wasn't doing anything. People were getting hurt. People were getting wounded all around him, and he didn't do a thing about it. God, we don't want to be like that. Who are the people that we need to reach out to? Who are the people that we can make a difference in their life? Who are the people that we can start on their journey to being a disciple of yours? God, help us to think about the new year and think about things that we can do better and do different and ways that we can serve you. Lord, we really are a blessed people. We're a blessed church and a blessed congregation. Help us not to fail on the mission that you've laid out for us. We know that the journey will be tough, but our strength is in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand. I'd like to wish you a happy new year. Thank you so much for coming to church this weekend. God bless you, and have a great day.